Welcome to another episode of the Tech.eu podcast. I'm Roxanne Barza, and I'm here with Tech.eu editor Robin Waters. Hi, Robin. Hi, Roxy. Actually, can I call you Roxy on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, you can. My mom calls me that. <laughs> Your mom calls you Roxy? Well, I do now. And I can because it's my birthday today. So hi, Roxy. Okay, well, if you call me Roxy, I'm calling you birthday boy. But we are back with a great lineup of topics, including quite a few exits that happened this past week, including Qualcomm's purchase of a Dutch company for $47. billion. We had quite a few rounds of funding, so we will focus on three companies that came from Russia, Finland, and France. UK fintech company Mysis pulled its IPO plan, so we'll discuss that. Robin, you had a chance to catch up with French YC grad Algolia, so we will have a listen to that. And finally, we will wrap it up with funding platform Albright, which has launched a specially designed for female entrepreneurs. So we'll have a quick discussion of that at the end. So let's jump right in with acquisitions. There was a huge, there were quite a few acquisitions, but there was an especially big one with Qualcomm's purchase of Dutch semiconductor NXP for $47 billion. So we mentioned last week that the total exit volume for European tech was 40 billion euros for Q3. So this exit has already surpassed that amount, which is insane. For anyone who doesn't know NXP, it's a spinoff of Philips. The company was founded in 2006 and has over 45,000 employees worldwide. So they actually outnumber Qualcomm's 33,000 employee count. Qualcomm, which is the world's largest manufacturer of mobile phone chips, will now have access to NXP's customer base of 25,000. And after the acquisition, which should go through by the end of 2017, the company is expected to have joint revenues of $30 billion. So what's interesting is actually I've seen a lot of different big numbers, but different numbers floating around in the press, uh, ranging from anywhere between 38 and 51. Billion. Yeah, I haven't looked into too much either, but it's definitely a few billions. Uh, so really, really big deal. Um, obviously, this one will go down in the history books. Um, and also, obviously, NXP isn't exactly a tech startup anymore. But we're always saying we should be proud when innovative technology and global leaders come out of Europe. So I guess we should be really happy about this deal, even regardless of the sheer size of it. Uh, as you correctly mentioned, that one deal already surpassed the total of last quarter, uh, which also included a really big uh, deal that probably doesn't count as a startup acquisition either. So some some really big ones lately. On the flip side, you know, uh, ARM just sold. Now there's NXP that's in the hands of Qualcomm or should be soon. Um, so there's not much left of Europe. Um, semiconductor industry. Um, there aren't that many chip makers or chip technology companies left um, that are autonomous or, or publicly listed in Europe. So yeah, I, I don't know if we should be happy with it. I am because if you know these kind of deals tend to bring money into the ecosystem some one way or another. But on the flip side, it also means that this ownership is going to, you know, in ARM's case, it's going to China and XP is going to the US. So yeah, it depends on what you think is important. Then we had another uh, acquisition this past week uh, that was rather interesting and also really big. Um, and Austria's AMS, they acquired Haptagon, which is a company I didn't actually know, but they specialize in 3D imaging solutions. They were acquired for 845 million euros. So that's not a small deal either. Uh, Haptagon was founded in 1993, um, so not a tech startup either. Uh, it has its headquarters actually in the US, but it has it was started in Switzerland. It has offices there, uh, lots of R&D in Switzerland as well. It has offices in China and Singapore. So AMS, the on the other hand, it was founded in Austria in 1981 um, and it specialized in design and manufacturing of sensors. So not every day that we hear of acquisitions coming from Austria. 
but that's a really big one. Yeah, that one definitely surprised me. So uh, congrats to the Austrians. Um, now we have another Dutch company, actually, that was acquired by a U.S. company. So similar in that respect to the Qualcomm deal. It's Dutch web content management company Hippo that has been acquired by U.S. cloud manufacturing company Bloomreach for an undisclosed amount. So Hippo counts 150 customers in 13 countries. And we had one tiny final mini acquisition, but a great one nonetheless, from Swedish company Starbreeze that acquired a Belgian visual tech and VR firm Nozon for 7.1 million euros. So pretty good week in acquisitions. Now we are seeing many rounds of funding in Europe. I can't even keep up anymore. There are a few larger ones we wanted to highlight this week that came from companies in Finland, Russia, and France. So first, Finnish company KNL Network secured $10 million led by leading fund Creandum and with the participation of InVenture and Butterfly Ventures. KNL, which has been in stealth mode for the past four years, that's just ridiculous, uh, describes itself as an internet anywhere company company with wireless communication solutions for isolated and inaccessible areas. So in many ways, their vision is very similar to Facebook and Google's vision of kind of providing the internet everywhere. They believe that providing access in remote and unconnected locations can make a dramatic difference on the quality of life and access to certain services. Yep, definitely an interesting one. Uh, another round that caught our eye uh, was Russia's Bus4. Um, they secured $20 million for international expansion. So this is a company that raised money uh, from Bering Vostok, Elbrus Capital, and InVenture Partners. They are also their historical investors. Now, I didn't know these guys, but Bering Vostok is an investor in Yandex. Uh, Elbrus Capital is an investor in Mail.ru. And InVenture Partners is an investor in Uber competitor Get. So these aren't small investors. Um, they're big names. Back to Bus4. This is a company that connects bus travelers with bus ticket sellers. Pretty straightforward. Uh, it's very similar to services that currently exist for train tickets. Um, but obviously, they focus on buses, uh, which seem to be quite big in Russia. But now they're going international. So that's what they're using the new capital for. They're thinking of expanding. They're now in Russia, Eastern Europe, and oddly Thailand with over 5,000 bus companies. So probably going to be attacking the rest of Southeast Asia and Europe. And um, the markets that they're looking at right now, it's what they shared in the press releases, Belarus and Kazakhstan. Uh, so these are small markets, but I'm guessing some some big uh, Western markets might follow uh, suit. Lo- love it. Not every day we hear about companies uh, going after Kazakhstan. But finally, we also had quite a few French companies announce fundraising this week, but we decided to focus on a machine vision startup called Chrono cam that secured $15 million in funding. The funding comes from Intel Capital with participation from quite a few other funds, actually. iBioNext, Robert Bosch Venture Capital, 360 Capital, CEA Investment, and Renault Group. So that's quite a quite a hefty uh, group of investors. The company is super interesting. They describe their technology as biologically inspired. They claim that its computer vision technology mimics the human brain. So in, in essence, the data that they gather improves efficiency, performance, range, and other camera functionalities, but they say that it it acts like a human. Super interesting. Yes, quite an intriguing one. Um, That concludes our wrap-up of some of the more interesting financing rounds for European startups that were announced this week. Um, Now, as our loyal readers will know, uh, we recently released a report on funding in Q3 uh, that actually shows a significant slowdown in venture funding. Um, But yes, the number of deals definitely doesn't seem to be going down, uh, or at least not yet. Uh, This week in particular, there are quite a few big rounds uh, from big-name investors to boot. Uh, So as long as these keep rolling in, I don't think the drop will be a significant this quarter. Um, Just 
just for reference, last week we tracked under 300 million euros in funding for European startups. This week it was more than 430 million. So it differs quite a lot from week to week. Yeah, we'll keep monitoring these funding rounds, of course, and you can always check out app.tech.eu to see who's raising funding, from whom, and what for. Now, we also had UK financial software firm Mysis that has actually pulled its IPO plan. So the company mentioned the unfavorable market conditions at this time, obviously being based in the UK, that isn't too surprising. The company had initially hoped to raise about 500 million pounds by selling a quarter of the company through IPO. There's a Reuters article that speculates that uncertainty over Brexit has hit the value of companies listing in London, which fell to its lowest point in four years. Years. Mysis is not the only company to pull its listing. Actually, Spanish telecoms firm Telefonica said it would not list its British mobile business, O2. And in total, there have been 11 European firms that have pulled their IPO plans since Brexit. Um, and that amounts to over $5.7 billion. Yes, definitely not the kind of evolution we want to see. European tech companies and IBOs have always been far between, uh, but when you have companies like Deezer, HelloFresh, and now Mises announced that they will IPO only to cancel or at least postpone at the last minute, it doesn't really bode well for the future. On the flip side, we've had some relatively successful ones in recent times. Um, Showroom Privé in France, uh, there was Denmark-based fintech company Nets, there was Takeaway.com in the Netherlands, um, and there are some others in the pipeline as well. Obviously, Spotify is a big candidate for 2017, but also possibly Delivery Hero, Blablacar, and other nimbler companies that may choose to list on smaller stock exchanges. So we'll keep watching the evolution over time. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to see a few in the near future. But now, Robin, you had a chance to catch up with Nicolas Desen from Algolia. Hey, this is Robin from TechU. I'm here at the Sastock conference in Dublin. I'm here with Nicolas Desenia from Algolia, a French company doing search as a service. Um, can you briefly explain uh, what your product does? Sure. Uh Great to be with you, Robin. Uh, so we are a search, um, a search, providing search as a service. So we help developers uh, really to deliver great uh, search experiences. Uh, so you may actually have used us on uh, websites like Medium, Twitch, Crunchbase, or Periscope. So every time you search there, you're actually using us. So those are pretty big websites. Is that your target audience, or do you also target like smaller websites? Uh, we do target a lot of smaller websites. Uh, these are just nicer names uh, that you may better sure. know. No, so we have a really um, a two kinds of customers. Really, the the small ones are self-serving on the website that would come subscribe and uh, basically uh, convert a few a few weeks later. And then we have like more bigger customers that are good logos and would be for us enterprise plans. Uh, and it's a good mix of both. Um, now, search is a notoriously very difficult uh, problem to tackle. So um, what's your competitive advantage? Is it product? Is it the technology? Uh, what makes you special? Um, product is, of course, the number one special thing. Uh, we see ourselves as, let's say, uh, having a few differentiators. The first one is the user experience. It's really making sure uh, the, the users are going to have a very interactive experience with the website. We don't want them to search. We want to guide them to their result as they type after the, even the first keystroke. Then the developer experience. It's helping these developers of websites to get a great result in no time. Uh, because of the API, because of uh, the maintainability, they don't have to scale. We scale with them, don't have to maintain the search. Uh, because also with, of the interaction with the team, we want to make sure they are successful. And maybe the last one, and which is probably more important for big customers, is the infrastructure. 
We are available today in 47 data centers across 15 regions, making sure that we are very close to the end users so they can get a very fast answer to their queries, and also making sure we have very reliable, we can tolerate even a, a data center's failure. Nice. Um, so how's the business going? How, how many people are you now? Are you profitable? How many offices, etc.? <laughs> Give me some basics. Okay, so we are uh, 60 people today across two countries. We are headquartered in San Francisco uh, with a big uh, team in France. That is actually where we build the product. Uh, 2,000 paying customers uh, in 100 countries, uh, growing very fast. Nice. Um, so the reason that you're in San Francisco, one of the reasons that you're in San Francisco was because you were accepted into the Y Combinator Accelerator, which is kind of like a badge of honor, I guess. Uh, how was the experience for you? Awesome. Uh, y Combinator really helped us to go faster, accelerate. Really, that's the, the, the best uh, outcome of Y Combinator for us. Uh, it was obvious from the start that the market for us was global and that Across that market, U.S. was the most important uh, country. Uh, we actually uh, do today about 60% of our revenues from the U.S. White Community was kind of the excuse to go there faster. Uh, it helped us to penetrate the market faster. It kind of shaped the company uh, at the time where we were still like six people. Um, it was also an excuse to work like crazy. Uh, I think the best outcome of White you know, it's not really the, everything obvious. It was the fact that we moved there, six people uh, lived in the same house, and we were like 24-7, no excuse, no family, no nothing, no friends, and we we're just focusing the company, uh, working crazy and getting there faster, like, kind of like changing the pace, uh, getting a crazy pace. Nice. And you've also raised funding um, since then. You've raised about more than $20 million uh, from you know, very big VCs like uh, Index and Excel. Um, do you think it would have been difficult to stay in France and Europe and to find funding here and find your customers here? Did you really have to go to the US that quickly? Um, we could have done the company uh, from France. It would have just been slower. Uh, what happened is that from day one, I mean, from the launch, we always had more customers in the US than anywhere else, even where we were still based in France. Of course, funding-wise, uh, being a US company uh, makes things easier uh, because some funds may not want to invest uh, outside of the US. Um, not really a question of like company as much as you know the legal risk and everything. They cannot know every country in the world, so it's so much easier uh, for them to focus on US companies. Uh, but out of that, I think that it's still possible to create like a, a category leader uh, in Europe. Great. Okay, so um, about the competition for talent, um, which is a huge topic for most entrepreneurs who are scaling their companies. Um, you're scaling both in the US, you're hiring both in the US and in France. Um, do you find that the competition for talent is as intense in both of these places? Is it hard to find talent? Is it too expensive to find talent? Um, how is that working out for you? Uh, the competition is way, uh, way bigger in the U.S., I mean, in the Bay Area, at least, uh, than in Paris. Um, in Paris, we got lucky, uh, we are really lucky to have a pretty strong technical brand. And so the good developers, they want to work for us, usually. So that's really awesome. We, we were able to build a, a really uh, crazy top team in, in Paris because of that. Uh, in the U.S., we are more focusing on other profiles, uh, marketing, sales, uh, with a lot of competition. Uh, and being a European company, um, it's sometimes a bit more difficult, especially in the early days. So funding there actually helps a lot. If you get like a good brand VC, uh, like when we did our Series A with Excel, it actually opens a lot of doors, help us to uh, find the right talents. Uh, but then uh, 
from Europe, one of the difficulty is that, I mean, it's a different culture. And so if you are here like marketers, sales, they are very good at selling themselves. So you also have to learn a lot uh, before to make the, the good, the right hires. Our first hires were failures. Right. Interesting. Um, so where do you see Algolia in, let's say, five years? Oh, five years is much longer. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea in five years. <laughs> let's no. say two years. Yeah. No, I mean, um, in a way, uh, today, search is pretty late to be satisfied. Uh, a lot of search today is still built in-house by, by companies, uh, but it's moving very fast today. Everything is moving to SaaS. Uh, in a few years, we see us as like the category leader. Uh, we want to own that SaaS market. So it's a bit marketing, uh, like, yeah, business, uh, business-wise, we want really to, uh, to lead that, that category. Well, it's great to see that kind of ambition from you know, a French-European tech company. Um, thank you so much, Nicolas, for your time, and best of luck with the company. Thank you, Robin. And finally, UK funding platform Albright launched to support female-founded startups. So the platform uh, is a mix of angel funding network, crowdfunding network, business resources, and learning. It just seems like the whole deal. Investors can invest as little as 500 pounds into any female-founded startup. The site currently counts 98 companies in the pipeline, four in due diligence, and 650 angel investors, which is really not too bad. The founders state that the product was built in response to the funding gap between males and females. So obviously a lot of funding goes to men as they're more prevalent as startup founders, but some numbers show that only 10% of all funding goes to women. Now I have to admit that even though I am a huge supporter of female empowering initiatives, I was a little bit skeptical of these types of platforms because I'm not sure gender will impact whether or not a startup will receive funding or not. But what I actually really like about this project is that they're making these projects more visible. They're helping them secure funding from the general public and seasoned investors. And I think a lot of investors today are interested in adding more women to their portfolios. So I have to say kudos to the Albright team. Yep, same here. I, for one, wasn't aware that only 10% of funding goes to uh, female-led startups or female-founded startups. Um, I would love to take a look at the source for that number and see if it's a UK or European trend. Uh, Because it seems to me like in regions uh, like the Nordics, for example, the gap isn't that wide. Um, But that there's a gap in the first place is of course an issue uh, it needs to be fixed uh, and if it takes platforms like Albright to help expedite that then I'm obviously all for it but as you correctly say there's always going to be people saying that you know this kind of positive discrimination in a way doesn't help and that gender shouldn't be an issue when fundraising but clearly the numbers show that it is so I'm always positive about these kinds of initiatives because doing something is always better than sitting at the sidelines and asking for things to change uh, or worse not to change so um, I'm glad something is being done and I wish Albright team uh, all the best of course Um, this brings us to the end of yet another episode of our weekly podcast thank you so much for listening we hope you've already subscribed in case not please rush over to iTunes and SoundCloud and do it now you can and should follow Roxanne actually I was going to call you Roxy you should follow Roxy on Twitter (laughs) she's at Roxanne Varza um, as well as TechEU at Tech underscore EU and if you're so inclined you can also follow me I'm at Robin Waters thank you again for listening and we hope to have you listening again next week bye Roxy bye birthday boy Bye-bye.